feet. It could be worse, said Connie, taking her instruments and rolling them in a dressing towel. We could still have bombs dropping on our heads. Stan and Peggy nodded their agreement. Can I get you a cuppa, sister? Peggy asked. The water's already in the pot. Connie glanced at the watch pinned to her chest. Oh, all right, a quick one then. As you had to wipe your feet on the way out of some of the houses she visited, the usual reply to such an offer was, Thanks, but I just had one. In Peggy's spotless house, however, a cup of tea was always welcome. Peggy left the room, and Connie stood up and brushed down the skirt of her navy uniform. As Stan put his sock on and rolled down his trouser leg, she wrapped the dirty gauze in newspaper, ready for the fire, and then packed away her equipment into the outside pocket of her nurse's bag so it could be cleaned and sterilised back at the clinic. Within a few moments, Peggy returned with a tray carrying three cups, which she set on the table. Sugar? she asked, holding up a bowl decorated with roses and the word broadstairs painted along the side. One, please, Connie replied. Peggy pursed her lips. Good. It'll put a bit of meat on you. Why, a strong wind would blow you away. Although six years of rationing had taken their toll with the twenty-four-inch waist and at eight stone three, Connie could hardly call herself a featherweight. And you want to put on a bit of flesh before you stand next to Charlie Ross in front of the vicar, Peggy added for good measure. Connie looked astounded. How? Stan's sister, Var, you know, her whose husband breeds budgies. Well, her cousin lives two doors down from your sister, explained Peggy. Maureen or Bernie, the one with three boys, Peggy replied. That's Mo, said Connie. Vi's cousin told me your sister said that to her mind, you should have done what everyone told you to do and tied the knot when he was home on leave four years ago, continued Peggy. Well, our Mo was ever the one to speak as she finds, said Connie, almost hearing her eldest sister's words in her head. Peggy nodded. She said it was a crying shame as you could have had your own baby by now instead of just delivering them and that your mum can't wait to be a gran again. Connie drank the last of her tea and returned her cup to the tray. Well, she won't have to wait long. Bernie's due her third in two months. Peggy's mouth formed into a perfect O. Goodness, your mother had a basketful. Connie gave a tight smile. Yes, five of us, three girls and two boys. She snapped her bag shut and stood up. I ought to be off. I've got another half a dozen visits before I'm done this afternoon. I'll be back just after five for Stan's afternoon injection. And I'll have those dressings boiled and ready for you, Peggy replied. Retrieving her lightweight blazer from the back of the chair, Connie left Peggy to put the room back in order and, as she tried to decide whether to pop into the chemist before or after her next visit, let herself out. A murky, damp start had turned into a very pleasant afternoon and although it was only just after one-thirty, there was a barely contained bubble of excitement and anticipation in Mercer Street. Without the fear of V2 rockets raining down on them, people were milling around Women sang as they whitened their front steps or laughed with neighbours while children played around their legs. Unusually, for a Tuesday afternoon, there were as many men as women in the street because a number of the factories and offices had given their workers the day off. 
The sounds of the BBC Light Orchestra playing upbeat tunes drifted out from a number of open windows as everyone tuned in to the home service ready for the Prime Minister's broadcast. Of course, the warm air meant the smell from the Thames less than half a mile away was a little more noticeable than usual, but even that didn't mar the carnival atmosphere. Plonking her bag in the basket on the front of her cycle, Connie tucked a couple of wisps of her golden red hair back under her hat before unchaining the front wheel of the bike from the boot scrap set in the wall. Rolling off the pavement, she placed her left foot on the corresponding pedal and pushed down before swinging her right leg across the seat as she bounced over the cobbles. A couple of people waved as she dodged between the boys playing cricket in the middle of the road, an upturned orange crate serving as the wicket. Ringing her bell, she turned into Cable Street. The stubborn curls around her temples escaped.